Hello, everyone, and welcome to Sticking to the Point, the podcast that aims to bridge the gap between acupuncture practitioners and their patients. I'm John, your friendly neighborhood acupuncturist and host and producer and musician and writer and pretty much everything. This is currently a one-man show, uh, so if you have any suggestions on how I can make this a more pleasurable listening experience for you, let me know. You can always shoot me an email at john, J-O-N, M, acupuncture at gmail.com. Or uh, I believe on the Spotify for Podcasters app, there is a way to leave comments. And I've also done my best to add this to as many other podcast hosting platforms as possible. I think I'm on Apple Music, uh, iHeartRadio, Amazon Music, Audible, a lot of different things. It's kind of overwhelming how many platforms there are for podcasting. But in any case, you should be able to find a way to contact me. Um, so let me know. I'm always all ears and open to any suggestions that you have for me. I want this to be, you know, a back and forth dialogue, uh, between myself and any patients or practitioners that are listening. So you can always let me know. To those of you who tuned in last time to episode one, thank you so much. I was really pleased with the reception that I got from friends, family, colleagues, um, you know, obviously things are going to start off small, but I'm already amazed at the amount of people who took the time out of their day to listen to what I had to say. So thank you. I will do my best to make content that is useful, entertaining, exciting, and titillating even. You know, I want to keep you all here and enthralled, you know, hanging on my every word. As uh, this is a newer podcast, and as I am learning, again, bear with me through things like, uh, you know, maybe imperfect audio levels, mixing, mastering, things like that. I'm doing my best to not be too much of a perfectionist. I want to focus on getting good enough things out there (laughs) into the world, rather than tweaking every little thing to make sure that it's absolutely perfect, because that's not realistic. I'm going to learn as I go, and you guys will... I'm sure understand if there's any little little errors. So we're just going to keep going forward, keep trying to be a little bit better each episode, and I think that we'll be golden. So last episode, we did a very broad discussion about why acupuncture and Chinese medicine are kind of difficult to explain to patients here in the West and some of the main differences between the Western medical model and the Eastern medical model. Today, I want to narrow our scope a little bit. So rather than looking at a broad overview of Chinese medicine and Western medicine, we're going to start focusing on specific terms, specific jargon that will help you to understand your acupuncture sessions a little bit more deeply. We're keeping it very simple today, starting kind of right from the beginning with yin and yang. This is one of the first lectures that I give my Foundations of Chinese Medicine students because it's one of the most foundational theories in Chinese medicine that everything else is kind of built off of. And to be honest, pretty much everything that we do in clinic always comes back to this idea of yin and yang in the body. So if you have a really solid understanding of the yin and yang relationship in medicine and in nature, it enables you to do quite a lot. Because you can approach almost everything from diet to lifestyle to food to herbs to 
honestly everything from the lens of yin and yang. So let's dive in. So most of us in the West don't know a ton about yin and yang. It's not a topic that is really thought of in our, our culture or taught in school. But most of us have heard of it. You know, you may have seen the yin-yang symbol, which is actually known as the Taiji symbol, but we can get into that in a future episode. But essentially that that little stereotypical symbol that outlines the transformation of light into dark. Usually there is a white swirl with a little black dot in it and a black swirl with a little white dot in it. And um, it's shown in a little circle. I remember having pogs as a kid that had the yin-yang symbol on it. I'm probably dating myself a little bit there. In any case, what I'm trying to get at is the fact that we we don't know a lot. And, and what we do know for most, it's overly simplified. Most people in the West think of yin and yang just as polar opposites. So hot and cold, light and dark, tall and short, what have you. Whereas if you look deeper into yin and yang theory, on the surface, it is a, a simple idea, but it is surprisingly deep as with most things in Chinese medicine and there's a lot more to it than just polar opposites. So let's start off by describing what yin and yang are generally. I always like to start by looking at the Chinese characters for yin and yang. The character for yin represents the shady side of a hill and the Chinese character for yang represents the sunny side of a hill. So yin is anything in the environment or in the body that is more on the cooling, nourishing, slow, dark, passive, feminine end of the spectrum. Whereas yang is the other end of that spectrum. So anything that is hot, bright, fast-paced, masculine, active, fiery, that is all yang. And yin and yang are used to describe phenomena that occur outside the body but in Chinese medicine we have taken this more broad idea of yin and yang and applied it to what goes on inside of the body. So every human being, every person has a balance of yin and yang that needs to be maintained and it's worth noting that nothing in the known world is completely yin or completely yang. It's absolutely impossible. And it's interesting to look at something like this from our Western standpoint, because I think a lot of us fall into this trap of thinking of yin and yang as a binary. It's one or the other. It's a zero or a one. It's a yes or a no. It's a hot or a cold. But that's not really how it shows up in in nature. It's more of a gradient because everything is made up of both forces. And I think it's really funny when we look at the modern day gender debate, because we have a lot of people who are very vocally saying that, you know, men should be men and masculine and women should be women. And uh, they don't understand this whole non-binary or transgender nonsense. Whereas if we look at human beings from the, the lens of yin and yang, everyone is made up of both that, that yin feminine energy and that yang masculine energy. And, even if someone is seeming to, to fall or to skew very much to one end, they, they can't exist without having a little bit of that other yin side or yang side to them. So it's just, 
I think that the concept of yin and yang really challenges our our binary idea of the world and shows us that even though opposites do exist, nothing is ever going to be completely and totally encapsulated by one end. Everything's made up of both. Even if something falls really far on that spectrum, you know, the sun, for example, the sun is not completely yang. There's always going to be some seed of yin within that. Uh, and on the other end, ice is not completely yin. There, there has to be a seed of yang within it. Everything has the capacity to change and transform back and forth. You know, ice can melt. The sun will eventually burn up and die out. So everything will transform from a more yang state to a more yin state and vice versa. And some of those transformations take a lifetime to occur or billions of years, and some of them are a lot faster. But we can talk about what it looks like a little bit more in the realm of our body. So we've talked about some of the more basic surface level examples of yin versus yang, like hot and cold and light and dark. But what are some ways that yin and yang show up within the body? So yang pertains to the more outer layers of the body. So the skin, the muscles, the hair, whereas yin pertains more to the internal structures of the body, the organs, the bones, um, the vital substances that are flowing within the interior of our body. Yang pertains more to excess disease or acute disease, whereas yin pertains more to uh, deficiency or chronic disease. Yang, as we know, represents more as heat, so inflammation, hyperactivity, whereas yin pertains more to hypoactivity, hypofunction, coldness, lack of circulation, things like that. So essentially, if there's too much of something happening, it's probably more yang, whereas if there's too little of something happening, it's, it's more of a yin idea. Some others, uh, yin pertains to the front, yang pertains to the back, yin pertains to the left, yang pertains to the right. Yin pertains to softness or wetness or things that don't have a defined form. So essentially, if you have a mass that is very movable, very soft, very squishy, like a cyst or a lipoma, that's going to be more yin. Whereas if you have a mass that is more hard and firm, that is going to be more yang. Yin and yang also pertain to certain functions and processes. So if we think of yin as being a more condensing, contracting, astringent kind of energy that's moving inwards and downwards, which is why we often see a lot of yin-related pathologies affecting the lower body, because yin is heavier and kind of sinks downwards, whereas yang has a more rising and expansive quality to it, which is why in a yang excess or heat conditions, we often see that the symptoms are affecting the upper part of the body. So the face, the shoulders, the neck, the head, all of that. So no discussion of yin and yang would be complete without also discussing the four 
aspects of the yin and yang relationship. So these are four relationships that exist between yin and yang that dictate how they show up and how they transform in every aspect of life. Physical matter, internal workings of the body, everything. So those four aspects of the yin and yang relationship are one, opposition, two, interdependence, three, mutual consumption, and four, intertransformation. So the names might sound a little confusing, but uh, as we describe them, they're, they're quite straightforward. So opposition just means that they are opposites. So yin is cold and slow, yang is hot and fast. It just shows that they exist on two ends of the spectrum. The second term, however, interdependence, dictates that they are intimately related and and necessary. They, they need one another to exist. So even though they are polar opposites, yin needs yang and yang needs yin in order to show up in the world. Again, we, we talked about how nothing can be just one or the other. So even though they're opposite, they are also interdependent. And this is why they're sometimes referred to as polar complements. So they are polar opposites, but they are also kind of symbiotically tied. They complement each other. So polar complements, opposites who need each other, whatever you want to call it, those are the first two aspects of the relationship. The next is something called mutual consumption. So this is just the idea that as one energy increases, the other has to decrease. So it's kind of like if you put items on a scale on one end, the other end is going to act accordingly and go up. You know, one goes down, the other goes up. What happens to one, the opposite will occur to the other. So it, it sounds, again, confusing, but if we think about really simple examples like... If you're heating up a pot of water on the stove, the hotter it gets, the more yang energy it gets, the less cold it is, the less yin there is. The darker it gets, you know, as the sun goes down, the less yang there is, the more yin there is. Or if we look at it backwards, the more yin there is, the less yang there is. So as one goes up, the other comes down. And we can see this in the body again in pathology. Remember, I mentioned that you can have too much yin or too much yang. So as that excess, that, that, that excess of yin or yang increases, it then starts to eat away at our remaining supplies of its opposite, so yin or yang. The last of the four aspects of the yin and yang relationship is intertransformation. So intertransformation refers to the fact that when yin or yang reaches its maximum amount, its zenith, its kind of highest point, it will always then inevitably tip and become the opposite. So yin will always eventually turn into yang and vice versa. Night will always become day. The seasons will always cyclically turn one into the other, one into the other. A thing that is alive and active and full of yang will eventually wither away and perish and die. We see it in pretty much every biochemical, physical reaction in the world. It, it kind of goes without saying. We just don't necessarily use the words yin and yang to describe it, but we, but we understand the concept. 
but that essentially sums up the four ways in which yin and yang are related, connected, and this then directly will help to explain the processes that occur inside the body that involve these two substances. Now, before we move on, I just want to drive the point home that yin and yang do exist contextually along a gradient or a spectrum. So a hot cup of tea is going to be more yang in relation to a cup of ice water. But if you have a cup of room temperature water and a cup of ice water, the room temperature water is going to be more yang. Even though it's cooler, it's still more yang than the ice water. Or if you have a glass of cool water and a glass of ice water, the cool water is still going to be more yang in relation to the ice water. We're always looking at these two phenomena in relationship to one another. We're never really looking at just the yin or just the yang. We want to know what is the the more yang aspect in relation to the more yin aspect. It's, it's all going to exist along a gradient. So when we look at yin and yang in the context of the body, the goal really is to get to a place where yin and yang are in harmony. There are adequate amounts of both uh, and not too much of either one. That said, as beautiful as that balanced state sounds, pretty much every human being, regardless of health, will have some level of imbalance between yin and yang. It's just, it's part of being alive, unfortunately. So our goal with lifestyle, diet, acupuncture, herbs, qigong, what have you, is to balance those yin and yang forces within the body so that we are in a state of health and of harmony. So what are the main ways that yin and yang pathology can show up? So it's essentially twofold. You can either have too much, an excess of yin or an excess of yang, or you can have too little. So deficiency, yin deficiency or yang deficiency. So these may be terms that you have heard your acupuncturist use. You may have come into a clinic getting treatment for night sweats and hot flashes, and you may have left with a diagnosis of yin deficiency. So what does that mean? Well, it should be pretty obvious by now. Your yin, your level of yin is in a deficient state comparatively to yang. So essentially what needs to be done is that through herbs, through acupuncture, through diet, we need to nourish the yin and boost the yin back up to a state where it is in harmony with yang once again. And it's the same if you got a diagnosis of yang deficiency. It's just the opposite. So rather than nourishing yin, we are tonifying or boosting yang to make sure that yang is at the level of yin and, and in harmony. So what do those pathologies look like? Again, if we think critically about this, we know that yin is the cooling, nutritive, moistening aspect of our health. So if that force in the body is deficient, it means we're not going to have enough cooling, we're not going to have enough moistening, we're not going to have enough uh, nourishing, so we're going to end up with dryness, we're going to end up with heat might maybe we'll feel hot at night or get night sweats or hot flashes it means that our body our skin our hair is not going to be as nourished so our skin might be dry our hair might be dry our nails might start to get a little bit brittle 
it essentially, again, just means that yin is not in enough supply to do its job properly. If yang is deficient and we have a deficiency of that hot, active, fiery side of the body, we might see it as a lack of energy. So low energy. We might see poor digestion because our digestion relies on that yang fire to keep it moving smoothly and efficiently. So we might see diarrhea. We might see loose stools. We might see abdominal bloating or discomfort after eating, especially after eating cold foods. It's just essentially the opposite problem. So rather than our yin side being deficient, it's our yang side that's deficient. And they show up essentially in those two ways. So these are also sometimes referred to as empty heat and empty cold. Because in the yin deficiency side, the heat is being caused by a lack of yin. So it's empty heat. And in a yang deficiency, where that hot side is, is in deficiency, in a deficient state, the, the cold that is caused is due to deficiency. So it's empty cold. All right, so now that we understand deficiency, let's move on to excess. So it's impossible to have too much of your physiological healthy yin and yang. You can't have too much of a good thing. When we talk about an excess of yang or an excess of yin, we're talking about an excess pathogen. So last episode, I had briefly talked about how Chinese medicine views human beings as being inseparable from their environment. And the environment is actually viewed as a cause of disease. So we can get illness, whether it's internal or external, due to excess cold, excess heat, dampness, fire, summer heat, wind, all of these different external pathogens that have a very real effect on our internal physiology. Apart from external pathogens from the environment, we can also create an excess of yin or an excess of yang through diet. So if we're eating too much hot, spicy foods, drinking alcohol, which is very hot, doing recreational drugs, which are very hot, that can lead to too much of that heat, too much warmth, too much fire in the body, which is an excess of yang. Because remember, yang encompasses all of those qualities. Whereas yin, if we're eating too much ice cream, cold foods, raw foods, uncooked vegetables, dairy, these are all very cold in nature, which is a yin quality and can therefore lead to an excess of yin inside the body due to our poor lifestyle choices. This is why living in harmony with the seasons and practicing good lifestyle choices is so important when it comes to Chinese medicine. This is why your acupuncturist is always telling you, hey, maybe don't drink smoothies every morning if you have tendency to cold. Maybe avoid the hot, spicy food if you're having bouts of anger and irritability because you're already hot enough. We don't need to be adding fuel to the fire. This is why your acupuncturist tells you to wear a scarf in the fall and winter after you've had gua sha and cupping to protect yourself from external wind, uh, which is a yang pathogen. Again, it's these tenets of, of Chinese medicine, once you understand them, there are so many small tweaks and changes that you can make to your everyday habits that will help you to live in a more harmonious way. And they're, they're 
easy additions that you likely hadn't even thought of because again western medicine and western science don't really value the energetic and and thermal quality of things like herbs and of food they don't care if it's a more cooling food or a more heating food they don't care if the food is more yin or more yang in nature they just care about the micronutrients and the vitamins and the minerals um, but there's a whole other way to interact and engage with the things around us apart from just breaking them down into their macros. So when we look at symptomology of excess yang and excess yin, it's very similar to the deficient side. It's just more severe. So we talked about how a yin deficiency or empty heat can look like dryness, it can look like heat, but the heat might be more intermittent, the heat might be more circumstantial. If you're getting redness of the face, it might just be around the cheeks. It's it's on the more mild side because it's a deficiency. Full heat, on the other hand, which is heat caused by a yang pathogen like fire, is going to be a lot more severe. So this is where heat is so strong that it's going to cause blood to move erratically and maybe you're going to get nosebleeds maybe your eyes are going to get really bloodshot maybe your whole face is beet red and you're angry you're fuming you're having pounding headaches that's what full heat that's what a young excess is going to look like uh, let's review empty cold which was a young deficiency so empty cold again you're going to get maybe disrupted digestion loose stools diarrhea coldness, fatigue, low energy, but it's all going to be on the more maybe mild and chronic side. Whereas full cold, so cold caused by a yin pathogen like dampness or cold, is going to cause those same symptoms, but they're going to be a lot more severe. So rather than just abdominal discomfort after eating, you're going to get severe cramping in the abdomen, you're going to be vomiting, profuse amounts of liquid. Maybe the diarrhea that you have is very intense with, again, a lot of cramping or discomfort and, and bubbling in the intestines. When it comes to the cold pain, rather than being more just mild and alleviated by heat, it's going to be really fixed and really local and really severe. That's what cold quality pain looks like. So again, when we're looking at the types of heat symptoms and the type of cold symptoms, we just have to think about whether the cause is due to a deficiency or an excess, and that will let us know everything we need to know about what the symptomology is likely going to look like, whether it's going to be more prolonged, chronic, deficient, and mild, or it's more severe, acute, intense, and full. Once you've made your diagnosis, the treatment becomes pretty easy. You just rectify whatever the imbalance is. If there's too much yin, you reduce that excess yin to bring things back to balance. If there's too much yang, too much heat, too much fire, you clear that fire to bring the level of yang down to harmony. And then as we already talked about with deficiency, if there's too little of one of these substances, you, you boost it up. So you nourish yin or you tonify yang. And it's often about using the opposite. So if someone is in a cold state, 
whether it is empty cold or full cold, you're going to use warming foods and warming herbs to help to counteract the cold. If someone is very hot, uh, having night sweats, hot flashes, you're going to use cooling herbs and cooling foods and moistening foods to help to bolster the yin of the body. It's pretty straightforward, and it's one of the things that's so great about knowing even just a little bit of Chinese medicine is you just start to think about, hmm, okay, my throat is feeling parched and red and scratchy, and if I look at it in the mirror, I can see that it's really inflamed. Do I think that adding a bunch of ginger, which is a very hot herb, to my tea is going to help? Or is it probably going to make that more inflamed and irritated? Maybe I should opt for a more cooling herb, like mint, for example. Maybe that would be a better fit. So again, knowing yin and yang really will change the way that you engage with your world and the way that you make choices. And even early on in my first year of school, I was already starting to put these ideas into practice with amazing benefits. Uh, and I hope that after this podcast, you will too. Now, 20 minutes obviously isn't enough to go over this very deep topic of yin and yang, but I think that this was a pretty good introduction to what yin and yang are, what the four yin and yang interrelationships are, what excess and deficiency of yin and yang look like, and then how we go about treating an excess of yin and yang. If you're interested in learning more about these ideas or looking for specific recommendations on how to treat yin and yang excess or yin and yang deficiency based on what your acupuncturist has told you, I'm going to start posting links to resources in the, the notes feed of each episode so that you can find some tools to utilize in your own day-to-day -day life. Hopefully, once we get you know a few more episodes in, I will also have a dedicated social media and maybe even website for this podcast as well. But in the meantime, you can find out a little bit more about me at www.thewellnessclinic.ca, which is the clinic that I work at. So if you are here in Edmonton, Alberta, Canada, and you are looking uh, for a new acupuncturist, come and find me in Rio Terrace. All right, I think that about covers it for today's episode. I hope you enjoyed learning more about yin and yang and all of the wonderful ways that they can show up in our body and in the world. Next episode, we will likely go over another beginner level term in Chinese medicine, likely the five phases, which is another way to carve up the world that is similar to yin and yang, but uh, utilized very differently. Thanks for listening. Mm -hmm.